Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. None of us asked to be here, did we? Nor did we choose where and when we were born or who our parents would be. However, we do get to choose whether we want to continue to live. We can also choose whether we want eternal life in the next life or not. The choice is ours. Please join us as we review some of the most important choices God offers us in the Bible and what the consequences will be for these choices. On our panel today, we have Rod Butler and Pastor Adrian Craig. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Thank you. you. Let us begin our panel discussion with prayer. Join me. Dear Lord, please help us to make the right choices in our daily lives and especially in the choices that decide our eternal future. We ask this in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. Amen. In the beginning... Adam and Eve did not choose to live their lives or to be born, as neither do we. But they did receive a test that gave them two choices. What was that initial test, um, Rod, given right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis? Well, they had a choice to, to live or to cease living. They were created perfect and they were given access to the tree of life. And if they wanted to continue living then they had to choose not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And tragically, they chose to eat the fruit. That was the test. Yes. Thank you for that. And so by choosing to disobey God, what were the consequences for their actions, um, Pastor Adrian? Well, one bite and we got 6,000 years of chaos. And the paradox, or maybe not the paradox, but the interesting thing to me is 1656 years after the creation story, we've got the flood. So, and God is so upset with his creation that he says, I'm going to wipe you out, I'm going to start again. So the consequences were bad. Let's have a look and see what Genesis 3 says, beginning at verse, 15, beginning at verse 16, where it says... I greatly increase your pains in childbearing, talking to Eve. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be to your husband. And then to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife. Uh, Cursed, verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life, etc. Thorns and thistles, verse 18. And if you read the story of Genesis, it's a story of woe. Do do you think that they understood the seriousness of just taking that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? How serious it was? Well, uh, certainly they were told and they were warned. The the text in chapter 2 says, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. So it's very definite. It's not you might die or you possibly could die. It says you shall surely die. But there was a confusing voice given, wasn't there? There was a dissension in that. Wasn't there a snake that told them a different story? Well, Genesis 3, with the inception of sin, uh, the devil used the serpent 
to deceive Eve into believing that what God had said wasn't correct. So she had the she had the choice to believe the voice of the the tempter or to believe what God said, and she chose to believe the tempter. Yes, sadly. How is the story of Adam and Eve's experience in Genesis relevant for us, Rod? I mean, this was a long time ago now. <clears throat> well, it's relevant for us today because it involves a test and it involves a test which in this particular case in Genesis involved appetite. And because they chose to eat of the uh, fruit of the tree of good and evil, the consequences were they died and they passed on their mortality now to their descendants, which is us. And um, if I just read a text here, I'm reading from Psalms 51 and verse 5, and it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So here we have an example of David is saying that I was born without any choice, sinful, and I was born with a propensity to sin. I was born to die. And um, that's the consequences that we have. And in regards to it being a test involving appetite, if I turn now to uh, 1 Corinthians and I look at chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, What not ye know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of your own, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? Here's a verse which says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible also says in Romans 12, 1, that we are to be a living sacrifice. Mm. Now, we're to be unblemished. <clears throat> so it's relevant to us today that if we put the wrong food in our bodies, we put drugs and alcohol and all sorts of things which harm this temple, there will be consequences for us. And those consequences will, will affect our spiritual life and our physical life. And, and the, the terrible thing is that those wrong foods and the bad things are what we like to eat. All of a sudden, since the fall, um, the good things that we should eat, broccoli, broccoli and, and cabbage, don't taste so good for us, do they? Well, they taste good to me, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to look at some Bible texts that present two choices that each person can make, which brings out the important consequences for each decision that is made. Let's begin with a very well-known verse, John chapter 316 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life what choice does John 316 give us Adrian well two uh, two ends mentioned there either you go down the road of damnation or you go to the road of eternal life this is indeed a great text Yes. Probably one of the greatest texts in the scriptures because it talks about the greatest person, God. God so loved the greatest motivation and the greatest demonstration of uh, love and motivation is giving. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever. That's it, anyone. And anyone. The invitation is global. The invitation is extensive. Whosoever believeth, the, simpl the great simplicity of getting the gift, yep. whosoever believeth shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yep. So the you're enabled to make the decision for life yep. if indeed you find the meaning of this text that God so loves and he cares. Yep. Cares so much that he sent his son to redeem the lost race. Yep. And I believe that the believing is a, is a continuous force. So we have to keep believing, not just in, mm. in, in one moment. It's an endurance that God wants, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, we seem to be have given two choices in this text, but is there any middle ground where a person can be neutral, Rod? Because I, I say to, I meet people um, in around who say, listen, I just want to stay neutral in this um, battleground. Well, let me read you another text, Stephen. If I turn to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30 and verse 15, it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. Now, when I look at that text, I don't see any middle ground. I don't see any fence to sit on. I see a choice. I can choose life or I can choose death, good being obedient or evil being disobedient. And we choose life today by being obedient to Christ. And as, as Adrian just said, uh, John 3.16, by believing in Christ, there's, there's the key for us. And that is life for us. Satan is in the habit of distracting us because he knows that if he can distract us, we might not get to make that choice. I want to turn to another text and I want to turn now to Acts and chapter 26. So this, this is the story of Pilate, isn't he? Agrippa. Agrippa, yes. Yeah, this is Agrippa, King Agrippa, Acts 26 and verse 28. And I'll just read this text and it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So we don't know whether Agrippa did decide later on, but here we know that he's put it off for another day. And today is the day we make the decision for Christ. Not tomorrow. We could get hit by a bus tomorrow. It's too late. We make the decision while we have the ability to make the decision. So the word for that is procrastination. Yep. So in effect, in summary, those people who like to sit on the fence, which, which side are they for or against God? You, by default, if you don't make a decision, by default, you're against God. You've got to willingly choose to follow God. Okay. And Satan is in the business of distracting, distracting us from that us. choice. Because he knows that, doesn't yeah. he? That brings me to the next question. Um, we may not make that important uh, decision in, for salvation in this life for Christ, but is there any second chance, say, after we die, maybe, Adrian? Uh, Steve, there are, there are opportunities plenty while ever we're this side of the tomb. But on the other side of the tomb, if we haven't made a decision, no more chances. No more chances. It is appointed under men, Hebrews 9.27, appointed under men once to die and after death the judgment. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, what does it say? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Yes, because when a person dies, they sleep in the grave and according to John chapter 5 verse 29, you in the resurrection day is either a resurrection of damnation or resurrection to life. And that decision is made by the choices we make in this life. Yes. And so in the grave, we, uh, we, our mind is not working. We can't make those decisions because the wise man Solomon says that there's no thought or mm. thinking in the grave where you're going. Is that right? It's true. Mm. <clears throat> Continuing with different Bible verses that present two choices, what choice does Genesis 7 verse 23 speak about? And I will read that. It says that, um, I'll start in verse 22. All in whose nostrils was the spirit of breath of life, all that was on the dry land died. This is speaking about the flood and verse 23. So, he, God, destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, 
creeping things and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were alive with him in the ark remained alive. So what is this speaking about, Rod? Well, again, we have <clears throat> we have a choice here, too. Um, Jesus also refers to, to Noah in, in the book of Matthew. And I've just turned to Matthew 24 from verse 37. It says, but in the days of Noah, so shall also be, be the coming of the Son of Man. And Noah had a choice. God gave him, a, well, he was righteous, but he had a choice to be righteous or he could do what his peers were doing and he could be evil. But he chose to follow God. And because he chose to follow God, yes. God, God blessed him and said, if you, um, because you're obedient, um, I'm going to destroy the world, but I'll save you and your family. Build an ark. And he built an ark. And at that particular time, everyone else, all their thoughts were evil continually. So Noah had a choice and he chose to be obedient. God, uh, he gave a message for 120 years and uh, he saved himself and others. And it's interesting that this applies to us today because Jesus says in verse... Um, uh, yeah, but in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. This applies to us today. We have a choice. We have a choice to do what our peers are doing, which are evil, or we can choose to follow God, just like yes. Noah did. And, and also it has effect. It had effect on, on their lives while they were living, not just in the future life, because their lives were cut short through a very painful death, didn't it? Um, moving on to uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, and I'll read that read that for you um, verses sorry verse 20 for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness what fruit you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are the um, choices we have there, Adrian? Well, once again, we've, we've got the, uh, the two sides, haven't we? We've got the side of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of the evil one. And uh, the symbolism that's used here is the symbolism of slavery. So you're a slave to sin. In other words, you give in to sin. And of course, this is what the Bible is reminding us of the danger of what happened to Samson. Eyes gouged out, grinding corn in a Philistine jail. That's horrible. Mm. What happened to, um, what happened to uh, the prodigal son living in, the, in a pig pen? Yes. So this is what sin does. It enslaves us. So you've got, you got the figure there. And then on the other side, you're a slave to God. Unfortunately, the, the symbolism uh, can deter, can, what shall I say, can make it hard for us to understand slavery in, in terms of God's kingdom. But slave also has a very good connotation. Slaves in the, in the eyes of many people were very honourable people. Okay. Thank you for that. Just two chapters over in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 7, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what are the two choices here, Rod? 
Well, we've, again, there's a choice. We can choose to follow the flesh or we can choose to have the mind of the spirit. And if we choose the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus will dwell in us by the Holy Spirit and will free us from sin. And therein lies the choice. If we don't do that, we'll automatically follow our carnal nature, our fleshly nature, which, will be, which is our bent towards evil. So we've got a choice again. So, so the choice is there is the mind where our flesh remains fallen, yep. but we can choose to have the, the carnal mind or the spiritual mind. And that choice is ours. Thank you for that. Next, we will go to the New Testament, 1 John 5, 10 to 12. And it says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, but he who does not have the son does not have life. And what are the choices given here, Adrian? Either you have the son or you don't have the son. Yes. And we need to note very carefully that First uh, John is giving us the assurance of knowing that we know Jesus. Mm. As a matter of fact, uh, you're going to follow the theme right through the book. And in chapter five, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So first John is the book of Christian assurance. It's confirming the decision you have made. By this, do you know that you pass from death unto life? If you love the brethren, not just the ones that are easy to get on with, but all the brethren and the sisters. By this, do you know that you pass from death unto life? Because you're born again, you don't, you don't keep on sinning, you obey. Wow, that's very good. Thank you mm. for that. Um, coming back a bit to the book of Matthew, chapter 7 and verses 24 to 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them. He'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. What are the two choices there, Rod? Well, it's interesting. There's, there's two groups here, um, two groups of builders. And both groups hear the words of Christ. That's very important. They both hear. Both hear. Um, but one group decides to build on rock <clears throat> and the other group decides to build on sand. And so far, there's no difference. The houses go up and it's all beautiful. It's only when the storms come that you realise where there's a problem. And of course, the story says that the house built on the sand is blown away. Now, we know from the story, we know that Christ is the rock. So if we build our faith upon the rock, that is Christ, we too will have life when the storms come. We will prevail. So, so that building your house, on your, your life on the rock means living by the principles of the word. Is that what it means? It means obedience to Christ. Yeah, the words obedience of Christ. Obedience to yes. Christ. Okay, yeah. thanks for that. In other words, if Jesus is the rock of your life, you'll give evidence in the way you live. Yeah. If you love me, keep my commandments, mm. says Jesus. Yeah. And uh, we know what his commandments are. And, and that's not a, always an easy thing because the flesh will try to drag you mm. away from, from the, the... The key to that is life. love, though. We're not, we're not obeying Christ because we're 
legalistic or forced to. It's because we love who he is. He's our creator. He's gracious, merciful, long-suffering. Yes. He's died on a cross for us. He's given us life. That's why we love him and want to obey him. And that's why Jesus asks us to take up the cross. You're preaching now, Rod. (laughs) (laughs) Moving to Deuteronomy. Um, There are also texts in the book of Deuteronomy where options or choices are presented to ancient Israel. What are the options given in Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 and 19 and 20, for instance, Adrian? Well, maybe we should look at the verses uh, quickly. Uh, Steve, verse 15, I've set before you today to life, prosperity, death and destruction. I command you to obey today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commands. So that's the challenge as it goes went out to Israel. And uh, they were not to turn their heart away from being obedient. If they were disobedient, well, as Deuteronomy points out, there are curses to those who disobey God. And once again, the, the promises for blessings or curses in this life. Life, goodness, blessing. What is that in a contrast to what well, God offers us? It's in accordance to death, evil and curses <laughs> and all that that entails. Yes. Mm. And, and according to the covenant of God, I mean, God is offering us good in this life and blessings in this life. Um, Deuteronomy 28 is about the covenants of God. What are the blessings that are offered in um, the first 14 verses? Can you give, give us a summary or, or some examples about the blessings that God offers us? For um, diligently obeying the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. Adrian. Well, verse 3, just to take a few examples, uh, Steve, you'll be blessed in the country and blessed in the city. Um, verse 7, you, the Lord, will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated. Um, verse 8, I'll send blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you. And it goes on, all the blessings that God promises. And this is in harmony with what Jesus said. I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Yes. Remember when he spoke to the woman at the well, he said, you want, you want water? I'll give you living water. There's water with movement, water, water that's dynamic. Yes. So he's giving us abundant life. Thank you. And contrast to that, to the rest of the chapter, verses 15 onwards, speaks about the, the curses mm. to those who do not diligently obey the mm. voice of the Lord your God. What are those curses, Rob? Well, all I can say, Steve, is wow, because when you look at... There's, there's 14 verses of blessings here in Deuteronomy 28, mm. and there's 54 verses, more than three times of the curses. And when you go through them, there's basically everything uh, is cursed. Our health, our family, our relationships, um, our possessions, our jobs, uh, our freedoms, everything is cursed. Everything we touch is cursed. And... You know, you just don't want to go there. And it's interesting that when you read through the Old Testament, you read through the Bible, as the, as the children of Israel apostatized, you can see that these things actually did take place. They got these curses. Yep. Just like they were promised and they knew. And, and of course, when they were getting cursed, they knew why they were being cursed because they had disobeyed God. But we never learn, do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, we don't learn. And why do you think God spent all those extra words in the curses? Is that as like a warning to us? I think what will happen? Well, he's got to spell things out. Yes. And he's got to spell things out in different ways. But I'd just like to read one verse here, which is very important. I think it certainly resonates with me. 
That's Deuteronomy 28 and 47. And it says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. This is saying that um, we can still be cursed even if we are obedient, but we are sad and not thankful. We obey God because we love God. And it says that we need to be joyful and... um, if we have a relationship with him, God doesn't want long faced Christians no. who are just sad all the time, who yes. are down. He wants vibrant, happy Christians. But he's a merciful God, isn't he? Yes. He sends the rain on the just and the corrupt. Central to the covenant yeah. relationship um, between the Lord and Israel was worship. What made the Israelites different from the world around them? Um, Adrian. Uh, let me read uh, Deuteronomy 32, 39. See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And it sounds to me like some words from Daniel because the verse ends and no one can deliver you out of my hand. It's almost taking the words out of the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Who, what God can deliver you out of my hand? Now we're going to look at some warnings given of some bad choices we can make in the book of Deuteronomy. What is the warning given in Deuteronomy 4.19, Rod? Well, Deuteronomy 4.19 says, it's talking about don't worship the sun, the moon, the stars, even all the host of heaven. We have to remember that back then, the nations around were all sort of worshipping the heavens, sun god. It's like nowadays. It's like nowadays. And this was a warning, don't do it. Don't do it. Thank you for that. And... Um, what warning is given in Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, 16, um, Adrian? I think uh, Steve is virtually saying the same thing. Let me read the text. It says, be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Remember what one of the great reformers said, that the human heart is a factory of idols. Yes, thank you for that. That's very important, isn't it? So the counsel that was given to Israel is for us. Yeah. It also mentions our hearts being deceived. And we know that the enemy of souls likes to deceive people. So he, we worship him by default in deception. I'm looking at the choice at the end times, most relevant for us in this day and age in the 24th century. How does God's call to worship in Revelation 14, 6 and 7 compared with the false way or the other choice in Revelation 13, 11 to 17, Rod? Well, the first one, 14, Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7, we are to worship God the Creator. Again, this is, we're talking free will worship here. But when we compare this to Revelation 13, we see a different kind of worship. We see an image to a beast. We see a, a power forcing worship, and it's that force worship which is in contrast to free will worship. Thank you. And also that, that false worship is, is enforced, isn't it? It's mm. mandatory. Mandatory, yes. Yes, that's how Satan works. The lesson has looked at the most important choices that you and I will make in our lives. Many people are willing to listen to the good news of salvation in Christ, but few will choose Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Turn from sin and receive eternal life. To such a one, God pleads, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And that's from Ezekiel 33, verse 11. 
Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.